0: Well, good morning, Grace. Well, open your Bibles, turn on your phones. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look at a passage today. We're studying the church as a congregation, and and this message that we're going to see in Ephesians chapter 6 could absolutely revolutionize the way you look at all of life. It was written so that it would revolutionize the way you look at all of life. In Ephesians chapter 6. Verse 10, it says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. This passage says that we are to wake up. We're to suit up, and we're supposed to fight. This passage says that there is an evil force that, ha, that, that wants to stop you from becoming like Christ in all of life. That there is an evil one that wants to keep you from ministering to others. That there's a spirit, the spirit of this dark spirit of the world, that wants to distract you from the love of God and the mercy of God and the justice of God. Do you believe that? Do you believe there's a spiritual war going on? When I was 21, I, was, I wasn't even a follower of Jesus Christ for a year, I went on, all, I went on a summer long mission trip here in the United States. And at night we would learn ministry skills and do ministry events, and in the daytime we were able to get, we had to get real jobs, you know. And since every believer is a minister, that's where the ministry was for me. And I worked for a family business, and uh, the son of the guy who owned it was about 15 years old, a stunning young man. He was actually a model. He made more money one weekend modeling than I did the whole summer, still mad about it. (laughs) But we spent 40-plus hours a week just working in the stockroom and running errands together and um, we got to know each other pretty well, and I didn't know it at the time, but I was discipling him, and his parents were excited about that. They had been praying about it for some reason. I didn't know, but we got we got along. He had a girlfriend that was a little bit older than he was. She was 17, and she was a supermodel. She She was very attractive. They were very active sexually. And as he grew in his walk with God as we spent time together. He, he, he wanted to become like Christ in all of life, and she wanted to continue to have regular sex. And that conflict came to a head in his bedroom with just the three of us. I didn't know this passage that we just referenced. I didn't know there was a war going on. I was just doing what was next. His room, this battlefield, looked like a the best of restoration hardware. It was a beautiful room. Everything was in its place. There was Keith, there was Delilah, whatever her name was, and there was me. <clears throat> and he starts off by saying, I just want to do what God wants me to do. I just want to live for Jesus. And she said, you know, that, that's great. Good for you. But uh, that's fine. And then he said, well, then we're going we're gonna to need to stop having sex together. And she said, what? And... And he, he, her face like gets all contorted and now this, this is not the face where you, that could launch a thousand ships she looked really evil to me at this time and then she says she looks at me and she says is it because of him is it because of him and, and Keith said no it's look it's like this I just, I just want to do whatever the Lord wants me to do and I have to, I have to stop this and then she turns back to me and says you tell him you tell him he can follow his Jesus and we can still have sex. And I said, well, see, no, here's the thing. <clears throat> and, then, and then she grabs this potted plant on his, dresser, on his dresser and grabs it and hurls it at him. Keith barely ducks, and then it just splatters on his wall. This perfect, pristine wall splatters on this wall. There's nothing but, you know, pottery shards and, and plant you know, and I guess, you know, some dirt in there. Kind of like modern art, like, uh, <laughs> so I, I, I call it like angry fern. <clears throat> and then, then she looks at me, I mean, no, no, let me tell you something, no 85-year-old female, 85-pound female has ever thrown anything at that velocity since that day. And then she looked at me and grabbed this lamp and throws it at me And the only reason I was saved is because the cord was still plugged in. (coughs) The lamp, it didn't do so well. And then she starts heading out the door. I could not have been any more afraid because it escalated so quickly and she wasn't as pretty as she used to be. And so she comes, opens the door and every all the way across the room, she's tearing the place apart. If she can touch it, she broke it and shattered it. She goes downstairs. Keith and I go to the window and watch her tear out of the driveway Uh, leaving some skid marks, and then the parents walk in. And I'm thinking, I'm in so much trouble, you know. And the mom comes over to me, hugs me, won't let me go, and just starts crying. And then the dad goes over and hugs Keith. And then they kind of stand us up, because, you know, just a couple of boys. And they said, we've been praying for this. You're the answer to this prayer. This this thing, Delilah has had a power over Keith, and we didn't know how to break it. And we've been praying for him, and he was in a stronghold. And she wouldn't let him back. We lost him. And so we went to the church, and the church told us that he was in this bondage. And it would take the prayers of the church, and some, and God would have to intervene. But this was... This was a spiritual war that was happening, and it needed an intervention from God himself, and there needed to be a breakthrough to break this stronghold in Keith's life. And that's what happened that day. He went on to become a pastor. It's a good story. It was a great experience for me. It just wasn't a lasting experience for me. I would have to learn again and again and again. The fact of what the Bible clearly states that we do not battle against flesh and blood. We battle against evil spirits in the world. We live in one world, there are two realms. There's the physical world, we all get that, and there is a spiritual world and an invisible world. The book of Ephesians the book about the church, okay, it's the owner's manual for the church and how to live life. It's a great book. It mentions this spiritual world, the heavenlies, five times. So how could you do a series on the church without mentioning this subject? One world, two realms, not in isolation, but in overlap. They touch each other. It's, it's, it's as though you ever watched a really good movie and you watched it and you enjoyed what you saw, the physical part. You can play director's commentary and that's like the spiritual world that's over it saying, okay, this is how we set this scene up. These are all the things that took place so that you could see what you see and you could experience what you experienced. There's a whole nother level here, kind of like that, a little bit like that. And the spiritual realm that we talk about up here, it's at war, full-blown combat. And you and I, we are part of that spiritual war. Can I tell you a true historical story that kind of brings in both of these realms, give us an idea of what's happening? In the life of Daniel in the Older Testament, Daniel is, is reading uh, the book of Jeremiah, and, it's taught, and Jeremiah is talking about the, the fate or the future of Israel. And he's rather perplexed, and he's, he's brought into himself to cons, you know, consider it you know, deep prayer, trying to find out what this passage means. And so he prays to God, desperately beseeching God, and waits on an answer. And an answer doesn't come. And so he commits again to it, and he waits another week for an answer from God. What is the fate of Israel in light of what Jeremiah has revealed to us? Nothing. Not a word from God waits again. And then finally, finally, after 21 days, this was what happens. And then he said, an angel shows up, and the angel says, Do not be afraid, Daniel. Since the first day you began to pray for understanding... And and you you humbled yourself before God. Your request has been heard in heaven, and I came to answer that prayer. So what took so long? This is the director's commentary that's going on above the scene, the spiritual world. He says this: For 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. And then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me and, and left him there uh, with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. And now I'm here to explain what will happen to your people in the future, for this vision concerns a time yet to come. Okay, do you understand the story? Daniel prays, an angel is sent, takes him 21 days, not because he missed a turn and got lost, but because he got in a fight. And he is brawling with the spirit of Persia and would still be there today, except They pulled in a higher ranking special forces, Michael Angel, and he says, I got this, I got this, I got this. You get to Daniel and tell him how this ends. Do you believe that? Do you believe that's a real story that that there's one world and there's two realms and they overlap? And what we do down here can influence what's happening up here in the spirit world? And what happens in the spirit world can influence the way we make decisions? Do you believe that? Do you believe that life choices can actually work its way north and have spiritual consequences? And do you believe that spiritual forces can work their way into your souls so that they affect what you choose? That's what the Bible says. It's cosmos before creation. It is, this war has been going on in the cosmos before creation, and it is coming to an end. And we are part of this. But we act like there's no war. Many of us live our lives like there's no real enemy, and today... Here's here's the big idea to today. I just kind of want to remind some of you, inform most of you, that there is a dual realm. And that spirit world, it's at war. And we're in that war with them. (laughs) We're not playing around. And you're in the war whether you like it or not. The moment you were conceived, you were drafted. As to what side of the war you would be on, that would be a choice of Christ or the rejection of Christ. You are in his army or you are not. But you're in a war. You can't ignore it. I mean, the Bible doesn't say if you ignore the devil, he'll leave you alone. You, know, you don't bother me, I won't bother you. That's now how it out. You ignore it, you'll get played. You'll be used. He'll be the puppet master, and you'll do what he says. There's a spiritual realm that is affecting our daily lives. And I, I would like to propose to you that it's it's affecting your life, my life right now. Marriages, the country, the church could let me just just think about this. Is every bad mood just a mood? Or maybe is there something more to that? The, 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 the strained marriages is, that we might encounter, is it just that season? Or could, be there, could there be something else up here? The anger and the selfishness, the lying, the deceit, that doesn't have to just come from you. And not to mention like major things like bigotry and prejudice and genocide. I mean, what is hap just pick up the newspaper and read it for as long as you can until you're nauseous or until your conscience has been seared. There's like a franchise of evil that is throughout our culture, sometimes obvious, sometimes blatant. More often than not. Subtle, but just as damaging. There's a war. Do you believe in the devil? A real devil? You cannot hold to the fundamentals and the basics of the Christian life unless you believe in a personal, real, personified, high-ranking, angel-gone rogue. Satan. He enters the story in the human story in Genesis chapter 3. He plays the lead role. And how does he do that? In chapter 3. He confuses. He deceives and he divides the first family. That's what he does. He confuses, he deceives and divides. He likes that. And he destroyed paradise and put put the war the earth the earth at war with man, and, and a war with man and woman, and a war between all of creation and God, all because of this deceit and, and, and division, this confusion. The, 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 the devil's story is told from the beginning of the Bible, all throughout the Bible. One of the last chapters of the Bible is the revelation where he's finally dealt with and thrown into a lake of fire. Jesus believed in the devil. I mean, he started his earthly ministry in many respects in in, in a conflict, confrontation with, with the devil himself. And then throughout his ministry, he's always being pressed by demons. And he teaches unequivocally on the fact that there's a spiritual world and it's personified and it's coming to kill you. And every New Testament author, every New Testament author writes with great conviction with, with great warning towards us that there's a spiritual war, we're in it, and we had better wake up and suit up and fight. I mean, Peter, look at, look at the graphic nature of Peter's description here. He says, you guys need to be sober-minded about this, right? Wake up, suit up, and fight. Because he says, your adversary, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Devour, that word means eat. <laughs> Have you ever seen a lion or a lioness hunt and devour? <laughs> it's not like they get out a knife and cut out up in little pieces, their pinkies out, they shred that animal. This, this is a picture of we're being stalked by a predatory evil that is hungry to eat us. This is the theme of most horror stories right? Where some person, is, this evil thing is hunting to eat. Peter couldn't have been any more graphic. And his lesson is that it's one world, but it's two realms, and the realms overlap. And what we do in this realm affects the spiritual realm, and the spiritual realm, it affects us. And we are to wake up and suit up and fight in this war. How long has it been, how long has it been Since you actually had a sober up, sober up, he has a sober up. How long has it been since you had the thought, there is a devil, and he hates me. Not us, not y'all. He hates me. And he has delegated to demonic levels of demonic beings to hunt me and to seek my soul that 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 he might make me useless or an example of of what it looks like to be a pitiful christian who has lost his way because he wasn't awake in the middle of a war when was the last time you thought that thought that there's really a spiritual war out there and it's directed towards you some of you are thinking you know that's kind of silly a little bit paranoid, and that's the problem. I know, it's easy. We could go over here and say, yeah, people think there's a demon behind every bush and on every doorknob, and that is certainly an error over here. Is that the error this church would do? No. No. We took science classes. We err over here thinking every once in a while in the exceptional, not in the normal. And that's where that's where we miss this. It, it, the, the spirit of of the Enlightenment, you know, where where, you know, we've ta- where most of us, in some respects, you know, subconsciously, we've taken this upper spiritual realm out, and you know, c- globally, we have taken this ever since the absence of the spiritual world, it is the bloodiest 100 years in the history of mankind. We've killed more human beings in the last 100 years than we had in almost all the years combined because there's no war going on here. Do you believe in a spiritual war? Look what it says in Ephesians again. Let's look at the passage again. Finally, be strong in the Lord, And in the strength of his knight might put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And I think it's interesting here that Paul is talking about the devil being a person, a personality with a plan. He's an intelligent, scheming, not not force, right? Not not the Star Wars kind of force. This has a personality. It has a plan. It has a scheme. And I'd like to tell you a little bit about his scheme. Here's what he does. He deceives, he confuses, he divides. He confuses, he deceives, and he divides. And he targets what the Lord loves the most. It makes for a better trophy. I mean, he's he's in a lot of things, but I just wanted to, we don't have time, and each one of these could be a sermon amongst themselves. I had like six, and now I'm down to two, but. Here are the things that I know are precious to the, to the Lord in his creation. And, this, and so, he, so he uses these schemes of confusion and, and division to attack first marriage. Marriage and family, right? God instituted those things as an illustration of what it means to be like the body of Christ. He used marriage to help understand what it means to have intimacy, to be, to be naked and, and unashamed. It, it, there's so much in marriage and family that is a template of what ought to be, and so it is so value and so valuable and so sacred that we say, "What the Lord has brought together, let no man separate." And the devil says, "Watch me. Just watch me. Do you believe? that the miscommunications and the misunderstandings that you might have between your mate or between you and your children is just communication deficits? Could I propose to you that your family is a target for spiritual forces and his scheme is to deceive and to confuse and to divide? And, and I, in your marriage and family life, whether you're the child or the parent, could you wake up and suit up and fight this thing? I wish, I, it took 10 years of our marriage, before, probably closer to 15, before we realized we, my wife and I, do not have the capacity to ruin this little communication and make it this big of a deal. There was more going on in our kitchen. And so we figured out early that we pray before a disagreement, during a disagreement, and after a disagreement. And sometimes we would just interrupt a disagreement and we just grab each other and hug and pray. Because we realized, this isn't us. Neither one of us care anything about this topic. We can't remember the start of this argument. But we're going to let it tear our house apart? This is from outside of us. This is a spiritual scheme. He's after families, because if you can destroy marriage and family, you can destroy a society. From the, it'll rot from the inside out. And no one, people won't even know why it happened. The other thing I want to talk about, not in levels of importance, is the church. I made a slide. I'd like us to read it. The devil schemes to confuse and divide the church for two strategic reasons. First, she is precious to him. And second, she is the power of God over spiritual forces in this realm. Let's read that out loud. The devil schemes to confuse and divide the church for two strategic reasons. She is precious to him. She has the power of God over spiritual forces in this realm. The devil schemes to make the church look ugly and to make her powerless. The bride is precious to him. And if you just look... I. It, if you just look at the churches across the world, if you want, you can start Western Europe and jump the puddle and get to the New England area, and you can see all of these empty churches that are just husks, dead husks of who they used to be because they forgot their purpose and they, and they, they, had, they lost their faith in the power of the gospel. And when you track those, those church histories back, you'll find that they, they blew up or they divided themselves over something trivial, trivial. The church died in a division because they were deceived, because they were confused. And, and was it over something trivial? It was, but it wasn't. It was because they, they forgot they were in a war. You know, they didn't wake up. They didn't suit up. They didn't fight. The last round of church splits have been about worship Churches have split recently over worship styles. How could that not be a spiritual battle? Can you imagine what there must be thinking in heaven? You guys are arguing about how to worship God. Wow. <laughs> because they're. Ignorant of the schemes. The devil confuses the church. He divides the church because the church is precious to the Lord. And the church is the is, is the means that God's power is going to be, to be used in this in this in this battle. It is to build and to maintain a healthy local expression of the body of Jesus Christ. It is exhausting. It is expensive. It is it's, it's continually, you have to be continually valid, vigilant to keep it running well and be what it needs to be, unified and holy. That's all work. To destroy that, it is cheap and easy. It takes a monkey with a match. And that, that can destroy, it can, a monkey with a match can destroy in one hour more than what a, a thousand righteous men could build in a year, and it doesn't take a match. It doesn't take a wrecking ball, right? It, it all it takes is all it takes is people in a conversation about the church, the leadership, some decision that's being made, and somebody just—it's just a wink, a nod, maybe silence when something should be said—and that's all it takes. And then this little seed is put just. Under a solid granite slab. And now you just wait patiently. It'll find its way. It'll crack that slab. The first retreat. I ever did here at Grace Covenant Church, I was doing it and the theme was on the body of Christ and how it needed to be unified. It was based on the book of Ephesians, how it needed to be unified, connected. Yeah, how, how the, one of the ways unity takes place is the submission to authority even when you don't know all the facts, right? Kind of just do what you're told. And that was the theme of it. it's like, and now we can purposefully get stuff done. So I'm thinking like, how, how do we, how do we make this work? How can we help the kids experience, you know, what it means to be part of something and, and be unified and be in submission to one another. I thought the military, United States military, they, 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 they live or die based on those values. And so we called the camp boot camp, and I kind of went crazy because I had my, my props. I had, two Bell Long Rangers, because it was helicopters, and a couple Jeeps, and we had a drill sergeant there to yell at the kids, and then our speaker was a Vietnam uh, gunship pilot. It was awesome. It was going to be awesome. I planned everything out. I hadn't planned that I was going to be in a spiritual war. And you'd think I would have planned ahead on that in light of the subject matter, but No. A Thursday morning, right before the retreat, I got a call from a, a, a young girl downtown, and she said, are you the youth pastor? I said, I am. And she said, I'm giving my life to Satan tomorrow night after the big concert at the Irwin Center. I said, what? I mean, people do that? And, and she said, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm going to give my life to Satan tomorrow. I was just wondering if you had some advice for me, if you could come down and talk to me. I don't, I don't know. I have a retreat tomorrow. I have these two helicopters and stuff and these Jeeps and gonna be a really cool retreat and so can I call you back she said sure can I call you back okay so I'm a Bible church guy and I know when I'm in trouble and I'm in over my head so I called a charismatic church that's what that's what I did so I love the guys over at Hope Chapel and Hope in the City and I said hey look I'm kind of scared here and this girl called and I've got a retreat this is now Friday morning I got a retreat later today and I got these two helicopters and a couple of jeeps <clears throat> he goes okay wait So she's downtown. I said, yeah. I told her. He goes, we were down there yesterday. Four of us were down there for eight hours. She is giving her life to Satan. Tonight, Friday night. And the way she's getting her tuition, you know, the way she, her initiation to be able to give her life to Satan is to tie up as many pastors for as long as possible or possibly get one accused of something that would cost them their whole careers. So you don't need to go down there. We got this. She's setting you up. I hung up the phone, and I went, what? What just happened? Wake up, Matt. Suit up. Get in this fight, man. You're getting killed out here. There are two realms, and they're overlapping. And there's some spiritual things that can affect my life and affect my choices. And there's some things that I can, too, do that, that go up and can affect reality. <laughs> i got to get in the game. I've got to realize what's going on around here. There's two worlds. How do you fight? How do you fight? The first part, that's the theme of today, wake up. Wake up, suit up. Realize that there are two realms. And that spiritual realm, it's at war. Not everything bad is from the devil. Your car couldn't start this morning. Probably not the devil. But you need to look for this. You need to look for confusion. You need to look for uh, division and things that God loves, like family and church. Also, part of fighting is, let me put it up there again, the devil schemes to confuse and divide the church for two strategic reasons. The first one is that he, she's precious to him, and the second one is she is the power of God over spiritual forces in this realm. The bride is the power of God in this realm. We do not fight in this realm alone. One, we don't fight in this realm alone. We have the spirit of God that's bigger and stronger than the evil one that's against us. We don't fight in this, in this battle alone because we have each other brothers and sisters in Christ, together, fighting. In the context of the church, and by the way, this is why you attend the church. You don't, just, you don't just attend, you get involved. You've got to find, every, like all our ministries are designed so that they just keep being broken down into smaller and smaller groups, and you get to know people in the family of God because in the context of the church, God gives the church special gifts, in, uh, some, some of them pertaining exactly to this subject of spiritual warfare. And so some people have gifts of discernment and of knowledge and of wisdom and, of, and our version of what would be called prophecy. They can see they're more tender towards the spirit world. And you get that by being involved in the local church. The, the devil wants to take down the church because that's, that's, that's by the Headquarters. The other reason you're locking arms with people like this in the church is because there are strongholds. I want to introduce this to you. I know it's late in the talk, but there's, this, there's strongholds where there's situations and circumstances, there are issues. Sometimes people call them being part of, a, like being in bondage. It's a sin that dominates your landscape, That is that is like I'm the present and overwhelming your thoughts and your feelings and sometimes your choices. It, sometimes it's a darkness that comes over you. It is like a cloud of despair that, that, that casts out all light. Sometimes it's fear. It's just a, a fear that confuses you and then starts defining you. And it's again, a stronghold, it's something where you pray about it. It's not working. It's owning you. Anger can take on a stronghold where it becomes almost uh, like a bitterness in, in, in the blood flow of your soul. And normal prayers, they, don't, they aren't doing this. It's deep inside you. It's beyond what you can do to repair lifestyles. Again, this is what I love about being involved in a church where you're close to one another. Sometimes other people can see a lifestyle that's a stronghold, like materialism or vanity, you know, deceit or bitterness. And sometimes when you're in a stronghold, you don't even know it because you've been in it so long. You're just used to being told what to do. The puppet master says it and you do it. You just run up the bill or do what you have to do. And outside people in the church, the first offense, not the last offense, the first offense is prayer. And people that have the gift of discernment and this gift of knowledge, and 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 you're in a community together, you can circle around each other, and you and this is what you say. This is what you say. You say, dear my brothers and sisters, I'm I'm getting crushed here. Now, this isn't a normal expression of sin in my life. I I cannot pray this away. I am a victim. I'm, I'm fighting way out of my weight class, and this sin mocks me. And I need you to come around me. I'm, I'm in a stronghold. I need you to come around me. And then you, as that person, you come around that member of the body of Christ, and you put your hands on them. You pray for them over the phone or whatever, and you, you pray Scripture to them. And you pray at that spirit world. And you tell them, this does not, he is not yours, he belongs to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ's blood covers him. You go to Colossians chapter 1 or Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, and you pray those prayers and tell the devil, he's, this person's not yours, and he is by the power of Jesus Christ and the blood that covers you. As his saint, I order you to release them from this stronghold. Free him from this bondage you've got to be part of the church to experience the freedom that comes from that. Two summers ago, I was on a vacation, and like I have a daily battle with a raging pride. And for the most part, I can keep it under control. I got a chair, and I got a whip, and down boy. And I think that summer, I think God was teaching me a lesson. I think he was showing me, just, you've tamed a cub lion, it's not even, it doesn't even have a mane. And I felt like he was trying to show me what was at my door. Satan is at your door, wanting to sift you. And so he let the lion roar. And I was so scared because, because I was getting kicked. I, it, I mean, I felt like I was being held underwater past the, okay, that's been fun, but now I'm starting to die. And I I, I went down a hallway even on on vacation, and I tried to call one of our missionaries because I knew I was in a stronghold, that I was being bound, and her phone didn't work right. I think that was part of the spiritual thing going on. I eventually was able to be helped in the context of other people and friends, and I'm glad I'm part of a church. Because the church is precious to him, and the church is the means of thwarting this evil spirit in the world. These last two months, I found myself there again. Different demon, different foe. I'm that much smarter. I told our elders about it on Thursday. They circled some chairs around, and they prayed for me. We do not fight against flesh and blood. We're in a war. We need to wake up. We need to suit up. We need to get in this fight. We were not raised so that we would be defeated. We we were raised so that we would conquer. We do not fight this war for victory. We fight this war from victory. We're just trying to get to the end with as many medals as possible. But the war, it's already been won. Today, I'm coming here to ask you, do you really believe that we don't fight a war with flesh and blood, we fight a war against principalities and powers and rulers and spirits of this evil age in our everyday lives? looking for, looking for the confusion and the deception and the division of things God loves. Sounds like a Veterans Day sermon to me, doesn't it? How about you? Let's pray. I'm going to pray some great prayers for you. Paul wrote them. Lord, I ask that you would give us complete knowledge of your will and to give us spiritual wisdom and understanding about the way you want us to live, always in honor and pleasing you in our lives, that we would produce all kinds of great fruit. For you have rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of your dear Son, who purchased our freedom... And our forgiveness of sins. And so Paul prayed for us, and he said, I pray that we would understand the incredible greatness of God's power that we believe in, in the mighty name and the power of Jesus, and that power that rose him from the dead and seated him at the right place of honor. In the heavenly realms, he rules over the heavenly realms. Now, he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but in the spirit world, in the heavenlies. He he has put all things under the authority of Christ, and he has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church, his bride. And the church is his body. And he made full and complete by Jesus Christ that body of Christ. He fills all things everywhere with himself. Lord, if all things are under the feet of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray we crawl into his lap and all things will be under our feet. I pray we stay in that lap because we would understand that we're at war and we would show ourselves to be brave soldiers, and we would care for our fellow soldiers, and we help be part of the, the great war. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.